Today we're in the third, uh, third week of our Ashes sermon series. And, and Ashes, we're in the time of Lent, right? In this time of Lent, we started back in Ash Wednesday when, when we kind of cast this idea that, that Lent is a time that is, we should be introspective. We should re- remove ourselves from the noise of the world and really look inside and, and, and take moments to, as the psalmist said, to cry out to God to search me, Lord, right? And find the places in, in me that grieve you and help me become more like you. And so it's this time that we're, we're looking at some of these darker areas of life and, and experiences. And, and now what, what a great setup that God's given us um, over this past week and all, the, and all the fears and all the stuff that's been happening. This, but, but really what we need to do is, is get rid of that noise and, and focus on ourselves. And so that's really what Lent is about, is this introspective time to search ourselves and to let, but, but we don't do so without knowing the end of the story, right? We, we don't do so without seeing the, the Paul Harveyism, the, the, the rest of the story, knowing that the gospel is true. We know, we know what happens at the end of Lent. And so we, we look at ourselves and we, we enter into this time with the understanding that Jesus Christ died and, and brought forth the kingdom of God. But it's a time that we set back and, and a lot of people fast during this time. Any of you fasting of anything during this time of Lent? No, nobody is. Oh, one person. All right, Jordan the drummer is. Great. Yeah, and, and, and we, you know, we, we, we didn't uh, talk about fasting much leading into this because we had fasted earlier in the year, but for some people in some traditions, fasting is one of those deals. And I remember Jenna's grandmother was a good, good old Episcopalian, and she would fast from certain things that she loved during Lent, but um, if you, you know, Lent is supposed to be 40 days, but you have to take out the Sundays. And as a good Episcopalian, that means you can do whatever you want on Sunday, right? Because so, so she's like, chocolate on Sunday. And then back to Monday, she's like, Jesus type deal. Um, but so Lent is this fasting deal. And fasting is an ancient, ancient tool that people used. It was this, this discipline that people would go through throughout their life. And the Jewish faith was really built on all these rituals and disciplines and duties that you would do. But, but, but the fasting is this interesting one because fasting is a lot of times the way they would do it was kind of public because you would change your clothes and you would put ashes on and, and you would draw attention to yourself. Like, look at me, I'm holier than you are because I'm fasting. And so the Jews were really called to, to fast one collectively together, one time a year, but people had picked up this practice and would do it throughout the year. But if you remember, if you were here for our Habakkuk series, what Habakkuk was really mad at is people were going through these motions of worshiping God, but their heart wasn't in it. And so fasting or really any spiritual discipline can become this thing that you're focused on really yourself and not the reason why you began to do that spiritual discipline. And so when Isaiah is writing this prophecy, the chapter 58, that, that he delivers from God, this is what's going on with the people of Israel. It says this, he goes, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast, shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. 
I'll tell you why, I responded. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? See, so what what God is laying out here is, these people are coming to him and, and, and they come to church all the time. They go to temple all the time and, and they seem excited to learn about him. And then they leave. And I don't know, have you ever done this? You come into church and you're like, oh man, that was a, man, the worship team was on fire today. Man, Crocker was really funny and I learned something great. And then you get in the car and you yell at each other. Does that ever happen to anybody? You know, and then you start arguing, you pick up the argument that you left at the sanctuary doors. You're like, and back on, game on. Right, And this is what God's talking about. You come in and you seem really excited to see me and, and all this stuff. But then you go about this fasting and all you're doing is going, look at me, look at me. Because it hasn't changed anything about who you are. See, what fasting, what God is trying to drive us into understanding is, is fasting isn't this big show that we can show people how pious and how holy we are. Fasting is to affect change in our life. Fasting should be something that when we give something up, when we deprive ourselves of something, it helps us remember who we are in his eyes and then who he wants us to be. Fasting, well, God says it this way, verse six. He says, no, 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 this is the kind of fasting that I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. And remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your goodness, your godliness will lead you forward. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. See, what you have is you have God telling you what he wants for your fasting and really take that into any spiritual discipline. When you pray, when you have those quiet times, when you journal, when you worship, when you learn, when you fast, what God wants is for you to become more like him. Plain and simple. Our job is to become more and more like God. We are built in the image of God and we should look like it. Talked about that last week, right? But fasting is one of those things that helps shape it. But what God says is that's the fasting that you're doing, that's not what I want. What I want is, what I want is for you to free people. What I want is for you to be more like me. And this isn't any new information to the people of Israel. They'd heard this. Zechariah chapter seven, this is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Isaiah chapter one, after urging the people to stop offering these meaningless prayers, God tells them, learn to do right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Proverbs 14, if you show contempt for the poor, you're showing contempt for their maker. 
See, what God is trying to get us to understand is he cares about these people. God, in fact, he calls himself father to the fatherless. He identifies with these folks. This stands in stark contrast to any other religion of their day. Because the ancient religions, what they were focused on was the rich and the powerful, right? God favored the rich and the powerful. How do we know this? They're rich and they're powerful. God must favor them. And so you had this kind of elite system. And what God says is he comes in and he changes everything up. He's like, no, no, no. These aren't my people. My people are the oppressed, the foreigners, the orphans, the widows. My people, this is who I want you to reach out to. When you fast, be more like me. And this is what I look like. Jesus actually takes it a little bit further, right? Because what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25 is, is he's having this discussion with, with these different people. And he's like, man, when I was hungry, you didn't give me food. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. When I was naked, you didn't give me a cloak. You didn't even come visit me in prison. Jesus, when did we ever miss an opportunity to serve you? Do you remember what he says? He goes, anytime you gave someone who was hungry something to eat, you gave it to me. Anytime you gave someone who was thirsty something to drink, you did so for me. Anytime you went and visited someone who was in oppression and in prison, you were visiting with me. See, Jesus doesn't say you should just focus. He says, I am those people. I am the oppressed. I am the fatherless. I am the orphan. I am the widow. And whenever you reach out to them, you are reaching out to me. So it's very clear what God wants. God doesn't want us to go through these spiritual disciplines to act like we're really holy and to lift ourselves up. What he wants us to do is to change who we are as we go through these spiritual disciplines. He he, he wants us to know more and more who he is, which tells us who we are. So God says, go into the world. And love those who maybe even don't deserve it. Go into the world and care for those who have no one else to care for them. Go into the world and free the oppressed and feed the hungry and clothe the naked. This is what I want you to do. This is more important than any fast, than any spiritual duty you could ever comprehend. Go. So so I have a question and, and I don't know, you know, starting here, but I have a question for anyone who is, maybe you're watching at home and, and somebody said, hey, you should check this out. Like this is, your, this is gonna be a train wreck, so dial it in. I, I, hope, I hope it's not yet. Um, I don't know if any of you are non-believers, if you're not a Christian, but this is a question that I wanna ask you, anyone who doesn't believe, does the church look like that? Do, does, do you see that the heart of God is for those who are oppressed, for those who are marginalized, for those who have been cast out, for those who are hungry and needy? Does the church do a good job of saying, this is where our focus is? Like, does it matter that the church exists in your eyes other than for itself? If you are a believer, if you're a Christian, Do you live your life in such a way that people understand that God cares for those 
that no one else cares for? Does our church, does the church exist not just for itself, but for the world? Do we exist in such a way, do we matter that if our church left this place, that if we disappeared, that if St. Andrews ceased to exist, would the community even notice other than getting better parking? Would it matter if we weren't here? See, that's where God is leading us. And that's where Jesus took us when he sent us into the world. Now go and do what I did. Does it even matter? In Rome, back when the church was just, just kind of beginning and they got a little bit of freedom to, to kind of start meeting and stuff, this, this plague comes in, the city of Rome, there's this big sickness that comes in and, and everybody was just getting sick and dying. And, 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 and those who could left. Those who had power, those who had money, left Rome, went to where the sickness wasn't. They went up into the hills, into their, into, they went out to their ranches and their lake houses and their coast houses. And I don't know if they had those there, but they left Rome. The people who were left behind were the poor who had nowhere else to go and no funds to do so. And the sick who had already contracted the disease and were dying. And the church. See, the Christians stayed behind because they knew that their job was to care, as Jesus said, as God said right here for the oppressed, to go into the world and love on the people that no one else loves, to offer hope and assistance to people who have nothing else. The church didn't exist for itself. The church existed to bring life to the rest of the world. And so they stayed behind, even if they had the means to leave. They stayed behind and put their own health at risk so that people would be cared for, not so that they could get more people in their church, but so that people would know who Jesus Christ was and is. They stayed behind because God told them to. This is what you are supposed to do. You care for those who can't care for themselves. You offer love and mercy and grace and hope the same way that I have offered it to you. And so I ask us this question. In light of everything that's going on today, in light of this, this coronavirus, this COVID-19, I'm in this group of pastors and we, we all talk and, and, and we text back and forth about different things. And, and so there's been a lot of chatter, you might imagine, this past week. What are you going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? What's your church going to do? What are you going to do? And, and so we, we were going back and forth about a, a few different churches. And, and one church early on said, we're out. We're not meeting. One church meets in schools in Northeast School District. And the school district said, you're not meeting. Um, and so, and they're like, yeah, we probably weren't going to meet anyway. So he actually, he recorded a sermon yesterday in his office and uploaded it. Which, and I've done that before, and I told him, I said, it's going to suck so bad. Because he's like me, he loves to feed off of people. And I'm like, when he's just sitting in a room by himself, I've done this. It was horrible. I hated it so much. I, was, I can't wait to go download it. It's going to be awesome, I promise, Scott. Um, and, and so there, there were, you know, and then another church is like, yes, we're going to meet, we're going to meet, we're going to meet. And then yesterday they put out a thing, not going to meet. Um, and so they bailed out. I don't know of any church really that is meeting. 
that open their doors? Um, I'm sure there are. I know a lot of the bigger churches, like the city told them you can't. Um, 500 or more, like mm, shut down. And, and we have 500 on a Sunday, but it's between all three services. We have plenty of room for you to social distance yourself um, from other people, like especially the people on the balcony right now. There's a couple of groups up there. And, and so that you can, you know, we can, we can follow things. I want you to know that in between services, we wiped all the pews down. I had nothing to do with it. My awesome staff who doesn't even go to church here, but her church shut down. Um, <laughs> uh, so she came, showed up here and, and we wiped all of uh, all the pews down in between. We're, we're, we put the plates in the back. We're not gonna do an offertory like passing the plate. They're in the back and, and we want you to, to give and to, to do your offering and tithe that way as you walk by. Those of you online, you can do it online. You can go to standrews.09.org and, and there's a place to donate to, to, to worship God in that way, the way that we do. You know, so we're taking precautions and we're doing things, but, but the church needs to remain open because, because we're hope and we're strength and we're great. And people need a place to come in and to hear that you're going to be okay. You're going, I know that it looks bad right now and there's a lot of questions and answers and, and people are freaking out and rushing HEB on Friday morning at Lincoln Heights. They were only letting 20 people in at a time. And so when one would come out, one would get to go in and there was a huge line. Like, have y'all been to HEB recently and seen nothing on the shelves, right? Except stuff that you wouldn't expect. Like, I mean, let's be honest, right? If you're gonna spend another week or two at home with your children, why is there so much wine on the shelves still? I'm just, I'm just asking for a friend. I don't understand it, right? And so, I mean, all this stuff, like, why are you hoarding those things instead of those things? Uh, but we, ha we have all this, like, this panic going on. And we talked about shutting down here. And we knew that we were gonna do a live stream experiment and it's Facebook today and, and, and next week on my iPad, right? They're sitting in, on a music stand for those of you at home. And next week we're gonna have some cameras set up and we're gonna do it a little bit more professionally and hopefully it'll flow better. And, and we're gonna to continue to do that from this point forward. We're always gonna stream our, our services for those who aren't in town or whatever. And just, I don't know, for whatever friend, you know, it, I, I heard it, it takes away 20 pounds from you uh, when you're on a camera. Is that right? It's a, I look, mate, oh wait, it's the other way. Dang it. Um, so I'm gonna go on a quick diet. Uh, it, but, but, we needed, but we talked about this and, and there was difference of, of opinions um, on our staff. And, but ultimately it came to me and I said, no, 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 we're gonna be open. We can, people are gonna self-select if they wanna come or not. And people can do social distancing and all those different things, these terms that are now gonna be at the end of the year. Remember social distancing and, and all those things. And, but we will not shut the doors of our church. We will, yeah. We will give to Caesar what is Caesar and Caesar comes down and says, you'll shut the doors of your church. We'll shut the doors of our church, but we will continue to offer services. We are going to continue to be the church and bring the hope of the cross and the resurrection with us. Why? Because that's what God told us to do. We are not to go cower in our homes and to separate ourselves and to bring isolation, which is the worst thing that we could possibly do is to isolate ourselves from one another. No, we will open our doors and bring the love and gift and grace of God with us. And so the question I have for our church and our church specifically and anyone who's joining online is what are we going to do about this 
right now. I know what the people of Rome did. They stayed in there and they fought and they put their lives on the line so that people could have hope and grace and mercy so that the ho- those who were hungry could be fed. You know what? We have kids who are going to be out of school and the only meals they get are guaranteed during the week are the breakfast and lunch that they get on their campus. How are they going to eat the next few weeks? What are they going to do for food? That is our responsibility. That is our job as the church. We're the ones who are supposed to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. Why? Because we have a grace and a truth that gives us power to do so. We have a God and a command from him who said, go into the world and do what I did. So how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond to those folks? How are we going to respond to the elderly who are very scared and isolated and they're already kind of live isolated lives to begin with? How do we reach out and connect with them them and remind them that they matter? that they matter to God. And so because they matter to God, they matter to us. How are we as a church going to respond to this crisis? We can't just fast. We can't just sit on our hands and our knees and go, oh Jesus, move. Yes, we need to sit on our knees and say, oh Jesus, move. But we need to move with them. We need to move because we are the hands and feet of God. We need to understand how we can react to something that's bringing so much fear across this world. How can we be those beacons of hope in a world of fear? And so this this is not rhetorical questions that I'm throwing out. This is not something that, you know, I'm gonna sit up here and just go, okay, this is what we're gonna do, let's all go do it. This is a conversation for our church, those in the sanctuary and those at home. How are we going to respond? What is our role to play in our community? Because it is in moments like this, as was seen in Rome, that the church gets to separate itself from the world. That the message of Christ gets to break through in the static the world. When the people of Rome stayed behind and they saw what those those Christians did, do you know what they did? They gave their lives to Jesus. The amount of people who understood who they were in God's eyes just skyrocketed. The church grew because they saw people willing to sacrifice themselves so that others may be cared for. Which is what the gospel is all about being willing to sacrifice yourself so that others may live. And if we are those people, if we are truly the church called by God to serve in this community, then we can't sit and watch it happen. We have to move, we have to engage, we have to transform our understanding of who God has called us to be. And so this week, I wanna hear from you. I wanna hear from everybody online. Even if you don't go to our church, throw me some ideas, man. How can we help you? How can we be involved in your life? How can we be involved in your neighborhood? How can we be involved in this community? How do we bring the love of Jesus Christ with us? Because I will tell you this, from my standpoint, and as I lead St. Andrews, we will not leave Rome. Let us pray. 
Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the way that you move in our life. God, we thank you so much that you, you're a God of forgiveness. You're a God of justice. You're a God of mercy. You're a God of healing power. And so God, I pray that you would give us the courage to open our hearts and our ears, to hear the leading from you, to be the church you need us to be, that the world needs us to be right now. That this message would not just be for St. Andrews, but it would spread across Christianity. That we would step into the roles that you originally designed us for, to bring your hope and peace to the world of darkness. God, let us be for you so that others may find freedom in you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.